Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. Hello and welcome to Game of Thrones Weekly. Tonight we're discussing the best lines of Game of Thrones. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Hello and welcome back to another great show of Game of Thrones Weekly. I love this music when I don't hear it and I'm not the one here weekly. I miss it. It's just so invigorating. Gets the blood going. Gets the blood going. On a cold day like this when it's only like 64, 65. <laughs> need to get the I blood need going. it. You guys know me. I'm Kristen Elizabeth Snyder. You can follow me at Cinematic Escape on all the social mediums. And I have the pleasure of hosting tonight with the Jeremy Dan, the professor of innovation and entrepreneurship at USC Marshall Business School. Thanks so much for being here, Jeremy. Awesome to be back. <laughs> I missed you. I was sick. And Ryan had to fill in for me. I know that show wasn't near as exciting, right? I didn't get my daily dose of... <laughs> or weekly to Oh, I need it. It's like vitamin E. Or Yay! Vitamin D. Which, which do you get from the sun? You get both of them from me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tonight we're going to be discussing the best lines of Game of Thrones. And Jeremy is a writer. And I moved out here to be a writer. I'm still working on that. <laughs> but... but we just love the best lines of Game of Thrones because that is what gets you really in the show. It helps the, you see the character development, really makes you fall in love with those characters. But what you're really falling in love with are the writers of the show. Well, yeah, I mean, they make the show very quotable things. I mean, it's not just the events, which are big enough on their own, but people are quoting the lines at the water cooler yeah. the next day. And they're a part of our cultural parlance in our, our common language yeah. now. We got them on t-shirts now. We got them on bumper stickers. Jeremy has socks with his favorite oh, Game yeah. of Thrones lines on. We got not just everywhere. socks. Not just oh, socks. Oh my. <laughs> well, I'd say you could follow Jeremy and see what all kind of clothing he has, but he has yet to uh, start up his social media. And if you guys want him to, you should tweet at me. So I can show him. You can yell at him, and we'll get him as a group. Follow me on LinkedIn. Oh, on no. LinkedIn, great. Or you can go to USC Davis and USC Davis. U USC, what is it? USC, USC. Marshall. <laughs> That's a school too, Marshall. Marshall but they is can the go school. To I the teach. business school. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And they can take a class from you. Uh, maybe. Maybe it's tough to get in. Yeah. So. I don't know. You could dream about it. Lots of money, too. <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead and break into our lines. Jeremy, throw a line at me. One of the lines you think are the best from Game of Thrones. Let me give you some advice, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not wear it like armor, and it could never be used to hurt you. That is <sighs> early on setting the tone between Tyrion. two characters, Tyrion and uh, Jon Snow, who wouldn't see each other for years but um <laughs> they obviously developed a little chemistry but that was yeah. him giving a lesson as he had been um belittled a bit by the brother jamie he was unsure of himself mm -hmm. even within the stark hierarchy 
and had been for years and getting ready to go to an uncertain situation where he didn't know what his new status in the hierarchy would be. So um, that that line, Tyrion kind of still wore that better, his you know, dwarf yeah. or little man or half man comments. John, it took him longer to embrace it. Now he, he th- I think he's a little uh, more comfortable in his own skin. I agree. That was for you guys at home wondering, season one, episode one, winter is coming very early. In fact, the earliest episode we could go. And, you know, at that point when we meet Tyrion, he's, like, introduced to us as this brothel-loving brothel Doris. Like, he's drinking. But then he gives this line to John, which sort of makes you and the viewers see him as more than just this drinking, fun-loving little door. Yeah, and you could also tell there was going to be a little animosity, a little animosity between the Starks and the Mm -hmm. Lannisters, but it looked like this might be an entry point where they could connect a little bit between these two guys. Of course, again, it still took like another six seasons for us to see it again. Well, I'm going to throw one at you. I'm going to say the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. And also that was, very early. Yeah. Of course, Ned Stark. Same episode, actually. Season one, episode one, winter is coming. And this quote is everything a stranger needs to know about Ned Stark in this world. I mean, he's basically one of the greatest characters of the series, especially morals-wise. I mean, he had like such a hard righteousness and duty and sense of honor about him and in this pilot episode like you immediately get that you know he's a leader and it connects the person to their choices and he's saying you know if you're gonna say you need to kill this guy you have to be the one to do it you can't just say like joffrey and have you know the mountain or something like that actually kill the person for you if you're gonna make the sentence you need to be the one to kill them and i completely agree with that yeah, well, of course, Rob Stark followed that same mentality, and he, he paid a little bit of a price. And one thing he that's did. interesting with that line is it's a line of the Starks. You mentioned mm-hmm. other houses, other leaders don't really follow that. But we saw a trial recently where <laughs> Sansa essentially, in you know, ruling in, in, in John's absence, didn't quite follow through on that. I mean, she has a different philosophy than her dad when it came to uh, the Littlefinger sentence that came down so quickly. I mean, she had a badass sister, though, to bring in that death sentence. I mean, seeing Arya there, I mean, she's the perfect person, though. And she's the one who originally wanted him with, dead. With his own dagger. Yeah. Amazing. That went down pretty much exactly the way I wanted it to. (laughs) (laughs) But it just shows respect to the individual that you're punishing if you're the one to kill the man. So I love that line. Go ahead at me, Jeremy. Well, um, also, again, pretty early in the show, and this is a line that I just thought was so full of badassery, even though it was right in the middle of a beautiful garden and the person that delivered it was wearing a a stunning dress, and that is uh, Cersei. Uh, when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. And that just was the kind of line that uh, you know stops you in your tracks. What's amazing about that whole exchange between her and Ned, she, he had so many cards. He had so many yeah. of the cards. He had, he had the drop on her, and she was still confident. She still revealed so much stuff about the sex life and the fact she had had kids with her... Uh, brother she gave him even more material 
and I and mean, then had the confidence to finish up this whole exchange or not finish it but later said what of my wrath lord stark when he said to beware of robert's wrath he, i mean she was badass in this she was and again this was season one episode seven they actually just titled the whole episode you win or you die because that line obviously held strong to a lot of people and i mean i feel bad i kind of feel like ned shouldn't have threatened cersei about telling everyone that you know her children were legitimately roberts uh, because that's pretty much began his death sentence and that's you know kind of where this this line came about he was about to tell everyone that her children were not her own and she he was like i'm gonna give you some time to leave i mean the the machiavellian (laughs) if you're analyzing strategies you know he probably should have if he wanted to make a major move probably should have held that way more close to the chest i think this was a grave mistake (laughs) i'm not very funny thank you mike myers but yeah i feel like oh you know two episodes later he was done dead dead zone so maybe should have not gotten involved there but we miss you ned we really do i'm gonna pull one from serial pharrell the water dancer um he says there is only one god and his name is death and there is only one thing we say to death not today i mean that's been uh aria (laughs) and all of the people that have had Mm -hmm. so many uh near misses i mean that they could all live by that but she certainly has since then now do you think that serial pharrell is actually people have said since we never saw him again that perhaps he was one of the many face gods and that was just one of his faces and he was jock and hagar um i've certainly heard that conjecture also you know he could have just escaped i mean anytime on game of thrones when you don't see i mean there's a side of me that thinks that uh, you know stannis might still be out there (laughs) but you know the fact that the you know uh the hound didn't perish Mm -hmm. you know someone like serial pharrell where you just hear a little noise in the background i think i think we uh, i hope and think maybe I hope so. I love him. He was the first sword of Bravos, making him a badass swordsman, and the first guy that basically teaches Arya how to use her sword. He's the first sword of Bravos, but yet he has to earn extra money by essentially tutoring <laughs> the SATs. I mean, I that mean, was a she, little lame. <laughs> she was uh, she was high. It was, it, you know, he wasn't teaching just a street rat. You know how to water dance, but I love seeing her. Well, she fight. became that in like two episodes. She was <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Good point. She uh, lost her parents, became an orphan on the street. Good thing she got those lessons in beforehand, <laughs> or she wouldn't have had money to pay for them. But you know, this kind of began her descent into the underbelly of Westeros and reinforces the lessons as she goes on murdering multiple men. So we get to see <laughs> this throughout the series. You know those lessons continue today when we get to see her water dance and uh, i'm glad that we got started from the beginning and got to see her train so that makes her quite fierce in my opinion and and one of the best character arcs of of game of thrones for me because we saw her literally start from being this like girly girl to now being this like faceless god (laughs) well she i mean she always had a little more of an edge but it was the playful edge and then became Mm -hmm edge <laughs> yeah it's just edge now it's just a different face she's all edge yeah literally. yeah what do you get um speaking of edge someone threatening someone else with a little uh, nice thin dagger that he uh likes using for carving up uh, body parts <laughs> but uh if you think this has a happy ending you haven't been paying attention oh. and that's uh ramsey bolton just 
Yeah. Uh, after uh, being kind of hidden, you know, as like a stable boy or something, you, you're not quite mm-hmm. sure who he is. I mean, just reveals himself as just the sadistic guy. And uh, he's also kind of s- sitting in, stepping in for uh, George R. R. Martin a little bit. Because yeah. this is a way, a parallel of kind of the way the show, the way the books go. Right. You know, the Red Wedding and other things where you, you think you're going to have a nice, happy, comfortable scene. Whoa. Uh, not as many happy endings as you think. Maybe a little happier right now with yeah. some of the ways the families have gotten together, but it's been a while for that payoff. I'm pretty sure that Ramses is at least the second hated, the character that's second hated the after most. Joffrey. After Joffrey is what I was thinking, yeah. So this was actually season three, episode six, The Climb, when he teaches Theon this lesson, which I have some other Theon lines, and Theon was not exactly, like, a good Catholic boy. So maybe this is a lesson he needed to learn. Eventually I started to feel bad for him, but, you know, he kind of was a bad guy also in the beginning. So to see, like, one ba- bad guy give it to another is kind of feeling justified. But I really, I didn't really like Ramsey. I mean, especially in this moment. Um, yeah, I mean, including those of the happy ending of the vicious good guys. I yeah. mean, just... That's very strong of you. Anti-torture, anti-flaying. You are such a humanitarian. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I mean, it's in this world that doesn't really exist. Um, but... Oh, so on and so on. I want to bring up everyone's favorite character, Hodor. And this is actually Bran Stark that says this line. He says, hush, Hodor. No more Hodoring. And he says this in season three, episode nine for the Reigns of Castamere. And Bran obviously is like Hodor's biggest companion and best for, you know, Hodor only says Hodor. And in this episode, he was panicking during a thunderstorm and, and yelling Hodor, Hodor. And Bran is, like, asking him to stop Hodoring before finally he's he works into his body. This is right before Bran actually works into his body. And this is the first time that we as an audience, like, saw that Bran could warg into a human, which was huge. So it's not only just like the line that's maybe best, but really what was happening in that moment. And I mean, it was known for its like depression, this uh, depressing moment of the show. Well, it's presaging what eventually <laughs> happens. He didn't know how much he'd miss it when the yeah. Hodoring is gone. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Anytime you think about Hodor now, it's just, it's sad. I don't think people like it anymore. I don't know. It's kind of sad. I feel like they stopped saying Hodor as as far as hold the door because now they just think of how it's sad. It was a sad ending. (laughs) Indeed. indeed. All right. What do you got? Um, One of my favorite uh, minor characters and someone with an awesome accent, Liana Mormont, and just in the the hall of Westeros with her and her line. I just like the way she said this. You refused the call. You refused the call, talking down <laughs> yeah. like these 60-year-old men and, yes. and um, Lord Kerwin, who I think is probably in his 20s. But the smallest, youngest person just talking down to these dudes yep. and basically starting the guilt trip that then gains John credibility mm-hmm. that leads to the pledges of you know them uh, uh, believing he can be the king of the North. I love King in the North. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that little girl with a big voice, and <laughs> they give her the best lines. So I just of this this past few seasons. I mean, when she spoke, it was like you really listened because you don't expect 
those type of lines to come from a girl that looks like her and is so small and looks like she should be playing with her stuffed animals, basically. And, so. and she was also very good in that she is the king of the kind of short lines. I mean, I love it mm-hmm. when they were in that hall at Bear Island when she would just say, you know, and why are you here? And then there's this like, awkward <laughs> silence. She was the queen of the awkward silence when she delivered yeah. those lines. I'm going to throw it at Lord Varys. And this line comes from season two, episode three, what is dead may never die. And the line is power resides where men believe it resides. It's a trick, a shadow on the wall. A very small man can cast a very large shadow, not unlike Lyanna Mormont. (laughs) But in this scene, um, Tyrion's making his moves in the capital and Lord Varys becomes his confidant. And um, Varys sees the power that Tyrion possesses, even though he's like a smaller guy. He sees all, you know, that he could really help out. But you wonder how many of those other he had similar lines to other people because, you know, he and Littlefinger are master manipulators and playing different sides. So maybe he had a similar speech about shadows and things to other characters. You know, right. But we know Tyrion's strength is not obviously physical but rather in his wit and his manipulation so yeah i really like that line and of the people who truly control the events unfolding in westeros at that time it was like joffrey stannis renly rob and balin and so it was nice to see Tyrion kind of coming in and giving his say and and starting to change the way the course of things were going especially now where he is standing behind Daenerys. Who would have ever thought that? I really wouldn't have put him there. But it appears making a lot of the wrong calls lately. We don't know. know. What happened to all his good lines? Uh, (laughs) He uh, used them in the first six seasons, apparently. He's he's not as uh, snarky, not as good, maybe, with with the the one-liners, but also his strategies. A lot of them, like the the taking of Casterly Rock, have gone wrong. So he was casting maybe a bigger shadow a little bit before. That's a good point. Where's he going to play in that last season? Gosh, I don't know. I just hope back. I just hope he makes it. He'll make it. Oh, okay. <laughs> what do you got? Um, an early line that seems so out of place, but again, it's uh, the, the the tone for this sweetly delivered line um, that let you know this character has this charm. And at the time, we thought he was uh, unredeemable, but uh, Jamie Lannister. Delivering a line that could have been out of some 80s pop song. <laughs> the things I do for love. Oh. As he pushes Bran out the window <laughs> after, uh, you know, post-coital, oh. after he's with his sister. And essentially that sweet line puts in motion a, a war that kills tens of thousands right. of people and, and puts us, uh, the whole kingdom in doubt. And he said it, just like you said, like an, a line from an 80s song, like so nonchalantly, like this wasn't going to change the whole future of the show. <laughs> I mean, I remember that episode and just knowing after that, that things, this is not your average show. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're just going to do whatever they want. And it doesn't matter if they're killing off your favorite character or they're pushing them out the window. Well, you had so <laughs> many moments, literally this line of, this ain't your average show. This ain't your average yeah. show. Because we got it pummeled with that like six or seven times. That yeah. was one. The beheading of Ned Stark was one. The Red Wedding was one. Yeah, like uh, earlier, though. Yeah. Why aren't they still doing that? 
Be- because now we know what now show we it expect is. It. Maybe they'll still amp amp up the game. We'll see. Oh, I hope so. Honestly, a lot of people thought the last season was the best. And, I mean, ha- none of these lines that we're saying are from the last season. So, to me, That's- that means... Maybe you have a few from the last season. But mm. I don't have any. And to me, that means that, you know, we're... We're looking at the past at, we, at at the amping up of a of a great show. You I mean, and I, yeah, we've talked about the fact the last couple seasons there's been a rushing. Yes. So maybe the rushing of the storyline has come a little bit at the expense of that extra couple of lines the characters think so. can say to each other. That's that killer, awesome line. I mean, when I feel those, when I hear those lines, I also feel those lines. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm not getting that, it's literally just. Plot point, plot point, plot point. If Actually, not character development. I do have one Go right now that is from, is it last season? Um, leave one wolf alive and the sheep are never safe. So that was an uh, part yeah. of an awesome mm-hmm. intro of Arya Stark. <laughs> I remember it well. I, I mean, I think it might have been. It was is that the, the first one, episode. But is that the one time they've had action before the sweeping credits uh, at the beginning of the show it was a pre-intro Maybe. scene of her in the phrase hall at the twins and uh, obviously um uh taken out about what 40 50 family members she, oh, she yeah. went from about four or five kills up to 45 or 44 and um and she um she avenged the Red Wedding, essentially. She sure did. I mean, they gave credit to Jon Snow <laughs> for avenging the Red Wedding, but she was yeah. the one that did it on that side of the house in a big way. Well, no one knows that, though. I mean, she doesn't go around killing people and then sending it to the newspaper and, like, putting claims on it like a lot of serial killers do nowadays and, well, like, having a certain way. She let them know in her own way. She tells the uh, the wench, who was it the wife? Ne- uh, 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 Frey's uh, uh, wife standing next to him, his young wife, um... Uh, when they ask you what happened here, tell them, you know. But she never she, revealed her identity. The, that winter has come for House Frey. Oh, okay. So she let them know Clue. the Starks were behind it. It's like the Z for Zorro. She kind of left that, right. the verbal She doesn't Z normally do that. I think that was more of like getting vengeance for her family. So at that point, she wanted to know who delivered that vengeance. I mean, that's definitely not the Faceless Men way. So she, she <laughs> yeah, has... She's rogue. The Faceless Men get their orders of who gets killed. Yeah. And she has gone rogue. And she has also been unmasked. You know, she unmasked herself. Yeah. I love that she's gone rogue. <laughs> rogue is my favorite Arya. <laughs> and speaking of Arya, this wasn't like a great line, but it stood out to me when it was season two, episode five, The Ghost of Harrenhal. Arya is captured and brought to Harrenhal, and where she's basically served to Tywin. She's like the cup bear. She's like the cup bearer, but she's basically like, you know, servant to him. Cup boy, they thought. Yeah, exactly. They thought she was the boy. And during their conversation, conversation, he asked her about Rob Stark, not knowing that, obviously, she was his sister. Because, like you said, they thought she was a boy. And um, Arya tells Tywin that people say that Rob can't be killed. And Tywin asked her if she believed that. And she said, no, anyone can be killed. And so, to me, she delivered this line, like, stone cold, and she stares into Tywin's eyes, and it was so chilling, it was almost like a threat. No, anyone can be killed. Just the way she said it, and looking so, like, dead on at him. Well, think about her experiences today at that point. 
daddy. <laughs> um, and along the road, I mean, she was playing at being a swashbuckler with Sue. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all these shows for you free is by our amazing sponsors. And today, Spotify is one of our sponsors. On Spotify, you can listen to all of your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcast so you don't miss an episode. Premium users can even download episodes to listen to offline, wherever they are. And you can easily share what you're listening to with all your friends and following on Instagram. If you haven't done so already, Already, be sure to download the Spotify app and search for AfterBuzz TV on Spotify or browse podcasts in the Your Library tab. Also, make sure you follow us so you never miss an episode of AfterBuzz TV. Yeah. Pharrell and all that, and all of a sudden, she's more than living out that life. And who had mm-hmm. she just been put in the mix with? Jockin Hagar, yeah. who um, she's in the conversation misfits, the merry with men. Him. Yeah. With him at that point. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, can I jump in? Please. With one? Now, right on the heels of that. Um, I just I thought Jockin Hagar, he has like one note every line whether he should be angry. <laughs> this guy has the best like narrator voice for a kid's show, you know, and, <laughs> but he delivers a line like the red god takes what is his lovely girl and only death may pay for life. And then talks about him her taking the three deaths and he owes it back so he, he she can name the three names and I just love the way that actor delivers yeah. every line he does in that tone. And um, and then that balance that he talks about. And mm-hmm. Arya has taken it out of balance with all those phrases and everyone else. I wonder if there's going to be repercussions for her. But that kind of laid down a law that we thought was kind of, you know, the, the law of the faceless men. She's, mm-hmm. she's definitely violating it later. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I want to take a time out to mention a special guest that we have in studio, and also do we have a Thanksgiving little special? We know that Amber talked about it last week, but Jeremy has something special for you guys who are celebrating Thanksgiving this week, (laughs) and I want to present to you, Jeremy, and everyone at home, half the reason that (laughs) I'm here today, and his name is Charles Leroy Snyder, also known as Kristen's dad. (laughs) Hi, Daddy. He came all the way from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, actually the farmland lands of pennsylvania he actually had to drive like two hours to get to the airport (laughs) then five hours on the plane he didn't fly to a plane to a plane to a plane (laughs) no then two hours in a car so it was basically like going kingdom to kingdom in game of thrones to get here but he's also uh sir davos's brother i mean he's got that look (laughs) he he's got the pirate like jewels obviously he's got an earring which you can't see right now but in the beard oh i mean uh he's a swashbuckler he's a swashbuckler he could also be kind of like a retired member of the king's guard i think has a little bit of that look very Mm -hmm. i mean (laughs) well there's davos up there Um, dad there's your brother up on screen. <laughs> Kristen has all the connections. You can definitely yeah. get him to be an extra in the next season, right? I think I think we can make that happen for sure. The Onion Knight number two. So what do you have? Speaking of Onion Knight, what do you have for us on this? Thanks for being here, Dad, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Leroy. Well, I know you guys are, I mean, we have the family time of Thanksgiving. Yes. And Amber did an awesome job in the mm-hmm. last episode laying out, like, the perfect Thanksgiving with these delicious sounding 
Game of Thrones dishes. I mean, Ooh. honey chicken. I mean, she listed like 180 ingredients in Holy these things. Cow. I mean, <laughs> I, I, these things were. I mean, I was salivating listen, listening to her. And you'd have an amazing Thanksgiving if you just listened to some of the recipes she gave out. But you know, Thanksgiving sometimes it's not always as smooth, and the food can be it can be kind of disruptive. Um, you know, I, 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 the other side of this Thanksgiving thing is imagine, you know, you're having the, the Friendsgiving or potluck. a little potluck Thanksgiving mm-hmm. action. And Walter Frey comes in and he has the bread and salt to <laughs> welcome the guests. <laughs> well, it's all he brought. And, you know, Walter Frey's bread and salt, which yeah. means you're supposed to welcome you're supposed guests to be and safe. guarantee safety. It doesn't mean yeah. anything to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I mean, it, it's not even delicious. You're eating it, and you don't like it, and you're, but you're still supposed to be safe. This is not a good appetizer from uh, Walter Frey. Walter Frey, you're not invited next year. Oh, wait, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Who else do we have coming to this Thanksgiving? Well, Paula. I mean, another one from that you know, that same, you know, Aria, one of her specialties that she learned when she was in, in oh, Bravos yeah. was oysters, clams, and cockles. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when she was the uh, the harbor merchant, yes. taking her cart around with, I mean, probably um, you know bacteria infested. There she is, bacteria infested. I thought she was going to bring like the cookies from her friend. Cookies from her friend. Hot pie. Oh well, that, that's coming like, up. Like, we got okay, a little more okay, action okay. from that, but. But, you know, she's another one. She has, mm-hmm. it, you know, it might sound delicious, even though I think they're out of season. Uh, <laughs> but she had that, instead of Tabasco sauce or whatever, she had a little droplet of poison she was supposed to put in she those. Sure so that did. would also not be a great addition. <laughs> Aria, um, you are not coming to Thanksgiving. <laughs> but, but but speaking of what you're, you're talking about, Aria brings along her friend Hot Pie, who is... A beggar. I mean, he has some talent. We hear about mm-hmm. his great pie crusts. He bakes the wolf bread, yes. which um, we saw it early on. It didn't look very good. Then he baked mm-hmm. another one that looked really good. But, you know, this is one of those things that you bring it to someone's house and no one wants to eat it, like, because <laughs> it, it looks pretty good. And you, Look have how you ever, good that looks. Have you ever seen, what's that? <laughs> he made those cookies. You know what? I think he has his own shop. Like, now I don't think he's, like, acting. I think he really, in real life, has a bakery. Yeah, that's not from these, the show, is it? These cookies. I remember so, those. So the bread. Oh, that's him, like, outside of the show for sure. Yeah, there's no T-shirts on Game of Thrones. So you have the oh, wolf. Pie. You have the wolf bread. And have you ever seen it when someone gets, like, the bread and they, like, shellac it? They lacquer bread to preserve it as, like, a centerpiece? Oh, my Are you dad, into that? Yeah. You're a bread lacquerer. Yes, my dad's bringing the bread that you can't eat. You can just stare at it. In the pinacopia, what is that? Thing? Cornucopia. Cornucopia. Pina coladas, cornucopias. Was that your hobby? Are you a ship in a bottle guy too, and a bread lacquerer? Yeah, I just wanted to try it once. <laughs> Do you still have it? Is it hanging on the wall in the kitchen? No, I think it's. It was probably sold to another. I mean, I remember from my childhood. I think bread lacquering is out of fashion now, but yeah. we maybe this mention will bring it back. We like, gotta bring that back. People had bread hanging on walls and kitchens I that know. you could like knock on it. Do you, did you have that? When my you, dad oh, had yeah. an Italian restaurant uh, oh. when I was younger, and so we had all the breads hanging down, lacquered up. Okay, yeah. so it would probably a, be lacquered, and someone would yeah. try to eat it and just get a mouthful of. Yeah. Um, so someone. <laughs> They're not so much bringing food because they're kind of selfish, kind of controlling. They wouldn't contribute. But, you know, Tywin Lannister <laughs> is really 
good at carving stags. I mean, that's a famous oh, scene. Okay, he, yeah. he was great carving that stag, you know, rolling mm-hmm. up the sleeves. And he's the kind of guy that shows up at Thanksgiving at someone's house and, like, takes the <laughs> knives from them. And he, he's saying he really knows how to carve this yeah. turkey. So he's ruining, he's stealing the manhood from someone at their own There are guys who do that. They like to do the grill. And uh, it's mainly and the carving mainly thing to do grilling carving. You can't hijack a grill at someone's house, and you cannot no. hijack the carving. You got to ask. But Tywin didn't show up. I feel like he's definitely doing the hijacking. I mean, he <laughs> literally looks like he was killing someone in that photo. That, that was one of my favorite scenes from all of Game of Thrones. <laughs> the symbolism. Yeah. Um, but another guy, um, he's actually bringing a good contribution, but he's kind of complaining about it. Uh, Robert Baratheon is bringing some wild boar to this and I'm sure it's delicious but he's the guy complaining like I was slaving in the kitchen literally this killed me like uh, (laughs) making this dish killed me and we know it actually did the wild boar killed him and he wanted that as a final feast and so we could serve it at Thanksgiving and and Tywin <laughs> can carve oh, he, it up. He would carve it. He would gladly carve it. Oh, <laughs> <Aww>, there's Robert. <laughs> Poisoned Robert. That was not a good hunting trip for him. That wasn't. No. That was not fun. Um, but another one, you know, you know how someone has the dish they just keep bringing, and you're kind of, you always predict Fruit it. Fruit cake. Fruit cake. Yeah. Yeah. Like Sir Davos. <laughs> The onion night. He All just he has raw onions. He has a shipload of onions, and he might have had some turnips on it too. But every year, <laughs> you're getting the onion, whatever onion casserole. Onion. Maybe he could make those crispy onion strings. Oh I don't yeah, know. he should do like Outback Steakhouse where they like have the blooming onions. Blooming onion. Come on, yeah. Davos, Dad. You got to tell Davos to let you bloom those onions. <laughs> Brother Davos. I didn't know we had a show. He, he's probably, his mouth is watering. He could probably make a lot of these dishes. He, I'm sure he could. <laughs> um, now another one that, again, we don't know what it is. It's a little bit of a mystery meat situation. Oh, boy. And that's Ramsey. <laughs> what is Ramsey bringing? It's Br- probably he's bringing, dog meat. He's bringing pork sausage. Oh, Remember the scene with the fork? Yeah. Pork sausage. Uh, we don't know quite what he's eating because he's just kind of tortured and flayed our friend Theon a little bit. So you we kind of don't know what Ramsey's sausage is when it he It could be it. partly Theon, unfortunately, or it could have been one of his dogs because he loves his dogs so much. And if one passed away, I could totally see him honoring them by eating one. But then that happened the other way oh, around. Yeah. Oh, Big time. <laughs> Big time. Um, another dish that... Uh, Doggy, it- would you like some Ramsey? <laughs> Doggy, would you like some Ramsey meat? Doggy, would you like some Wait, are you Ramsey? scared? You're scaring me. That- <laughs> Listen, this just kind of came to my mind. It reminded me of that Freddie got fingered with the sausages because we were talking <laughs> about sausages, and he's like, Daddy, would you like some sausages? Daddy, would you like some sausage? <laughs> you have a little too much fun with this. Please show. don't rewind that. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> Okay, good. Sorry. Well, no problem. That no just problem. came over me. <laughs> but a dish that uh, might even be more delicious, at least to her. It's, she's bringing a dish that she likes that maybe no one else is going to like. And that's Danny with a little horse heart, oh, which yeah. she seemed to take a real liking to. She's the only one eating that, for sure. Danny, so, Danny you're not invited either. Sorry. I love you. But horse heart, I don't think we need that at the table. I don't think anyone wants that. Dad, do you want that? Dad's not eating Look at that. Heart. You see that? Yeah. We're not eating that. that Sorry, delish. Danny. There it is. Mm-mm. Not mm. doing it. 
<laughs> Who else is coming? Well, uh, the, the, the final one, unless we want to count some beverages, I mean, a great <laughs> dish that we saw being made, you know, um, Samwell Tarly uh, was on Kitchen Dude. He was on kind of Every Duty oh, when he was gosh. in Old Town. <laughs> and he was a part of making a stew that kind of looked the same way going in as it did going I, out. I remember that scene so well. And and the, the problem is we kind of can't tell which state it's in. So if he yeah. brings that, like, it's the kind of thing that goes untouched in the oh. corner. It's like and you don't know what it is. You lift the lid, and then you put the lid right back down. He, is, <laughs> he, he might be guilting. He's asking everyone throughout the party, have you tried my stew? And maybe people are taking a bowl and putting it under the table, dumping it. To the it. dog. <laughs> to the dog. Um, yeah, I remember that scene really well, and it haunts me. <laughs> because it was like a montage of the stew, the stew being poured in a bowl, and then someone on a toilet just having a really bad evening. <laughs> I it was like splash, 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 splash. Is that, <laughs> is that a good imitation? That's pretty much it. <laughs> Are you a Foley actor here? In, you know? I am not. <laughs> uh, this is not my casting couch or tape. So, yeah, <laughs> don't. No, I'm not going to get casted from this. I'm definitely not going to be in the, the last splashing. season of the Game of Thrones, but maybe my dad will. <laughs> Foley? No, probably not. Okay, I got a line for you, but those were amazing. We're back to the lines. Love it. We're back to the lines. I loved all the food. None of them are invited to my Thanksgiving. Well, the thing is, yeah, again, but... Amber gave us the awesome <laughs> Thanksgiving, the delicious Thanksgiving. We had to show you the darker side. Yeah, this of... is the potluck you never wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Unless you're just a huge Game of Thrones fan, which we all are, but like, this is not the edible potluck that we, that we would want to attend. So, this is from Daenerys Targaryen, this line. Season 3, episode 3, The Walk of Punishment. And she says, all men must die, but we are not men. And Girl power. Girl power, female power. When you heard these lines that Danny said, I mean, you just... These lines that, like, were known to everyone as truth... She broke those lines. So many of them, not just this one, but all men must die, but we are not men. I mean, when you heard all men must die, you just automatically assumed in your brain that was men, that was women, that was everyone. But not Danny. Not Danny. She reads that line differently. <laughs> she could be reborn in fire like the Phoenix. <laughs> she really can. And um, I just, I, I really felt empowered when, when she was saying all, all of these sort of feminist lines and it comes at a time in the series when she's building strong momentum and power and she when she has these great lines you you really feel like she's building this army that is needed and that that would be a good t-shirt line like with (laughs) recent current events you could wear that t-shirt proudly around uh the world right now (laughs) lots of women's marches we can wear that too do you, do you have some more lines? I do, me, and another woman that I just thought was dropping bombs left and right. <laughs> um, it was hard to pick. I knew I wanted to take one from her, and that's Elena Tyrell, oh, the, the Queen her. of Thorns, when she was uh, uh, talking with Cersei, who who said to her, "Hey, the famously tart tongued mm-hmm. Queen of Thorns," and she replies, "And the famous tart Queen Cersei." and really put Cersei backpedaling. Cersei had been a sparring partner for a lot of people and hadn't been intimidated, but that one kind of was a splash of cold water in her face. And she went on even in that conversation. Um, uh, Cersei said, you know, 
as for your veiled threats, and Olena goes, what veil? I mean, she was <laughs> all all over it in that conversation and about a dozen more, even toward her death where she's still uh, whipping them out yeah. to, uh, to Jamie when her whole army's been defeated, her whole family and her whole line is gone, and she still has the last word in uh, everything. Definitely. I have a line when Varys is talking to Elena about Littlefinger and just, you know, how he is trying to influence and, and the concern of his growing power and how he's manipulating people. And Ver- Lord Varys says he would see this country burn if he could be the king of ashes. I mean, he just Littlefinger just wants to be the king of anything and i'm i'm glad that we eventually saw his rise and fall but Mm -hmm. i mean he is just literally was grabbing at anything and i have another awesome line from him that i want to say this one actually from littlefinger littlefinger in season three episode six the climb says chaos isn't a pit chaos is a ladder Many who try to climb it fail, never get to try again. The fall breaks them, and some are given a chance to climb, but they refuse. They cling to the realm, or the gods, or love, illusions. Only the latter is real. The climb is all there is. Peter Baelish. It's a great line. That Well, he's more than a line guy. He is a <laughs> soliloquy, a sermon guy. He's literally the, uh, you know, the... Um, the cartoon villain twirling his mustache, exactly. although he does it much more poetically. But he is revealing so yeah. many of his uh, his approaches. Yeah, I mean, he's just like his ambitions are very kept secret and how manipulative he is. And his speech basically reveals um, in chaos and violence and destruction of the realm, that's when, you know, he can come up on top. When everything else is in chaos, that's when he can rise. So he uses chaos, he creates chaos in order to help himself rise to the top. Uh, but that same <laughs> that same speech and that same approach was used against him when Bran yes. was able to quote it back. And in the last few episodes, yeah. he realized, you know, Bran can't read minds. He can only <laughs> read scenes so to speak and by him having his soliloquies he was definitely burnt when that could be quoted right Mm -hmm. back to him so i got another little finger one uh, from another one of his fun soliloquies and this is (laughs) one when he um he was in his um establishment so to speak and there were some uh interesting background activities going on shall we say but he was uh talking to Roz, his uh at at that time protege and um, recounting his duel with uh, uh, Brandon Stark, the older brother of Ned Stark. And uh, yes. he lost that duel and was given a cut, uh, I believe, across the face, but humiliated in the duel. But he said, you know what I learned losing that duel? I learned that I'll never win. Not that way. That's mm. their game, their rules. I'm not going to fight them. I'm going to... F them. <laughs> and meanwhile, yes. you have uh, the uh, little bit of a, a, a faux sexual encounter going on mm-hmm. behind him. And that just symbolized um, he was going to take joy in what he did, his manipulation. He was not going to take anyone head on. He's like the um, always in the shadows and, and never played the Game of Thrones the way a yeah. Ned Stark would play it, a Robert Baratheon would play it. And so... So many other characters. He he played it his way and maybe overplayed his hand, but was very successful for a while. 
Yeah, you know what? I miss Littlefinger. I do. You know, I was glad at the ending he got because in the end, you you are obviously uh, rooting for the children of the show more so than the manipulative adult who not only wanted to sleep with their mother, but also wanted to sleep with the mother's daughter. So at that point, he made himself easily, you know, the bad guy and the person you wanted to see going down. But he wasn't always the bad guy. I think at some different points of the story, we sort of liked him. Well, a couple times you thought he might have Jamie-fied. Maybe he's gained respect for Sansa because she sort of saved his life in the veil. Then three episodes later, he's essentially selling her off to the Boltons. And he he was someone, he had no moral grounding. No way. I have some really bad news, Jeremy. They are telling us that it's time to wrap. And I have, like, 15 more quotes here. (laughs) I'm done. I'm spent. (laughs) Okay, well, I just want to say one more. Um, When Danny is in front of that man she's been uh, dealing with who uh, didn't know that she spoke Valerian, and he was calling her the B-word and a whore. And she just says, she has her Drogon there, and she just says, Dracarys, and Drogon lets him have it. And he's just burned up. Ashes away. Female power. I just love Danny. She just gets me all excited. I feel strong. You like it to death. I like it to death, too. That's Um, not too bad. Well, so right there, that was a moment of empowerment where she got to use that line. What did you think of when she used it? Um, uh, uh, with against the, uh, the Roos. Oh no, no, Sam Tarly, the Tarly the family. Yeah, was it? I did was not it as feel empowered? good then. No, mm-hmm. I felt very bad in that moment, and that was a time when I was very upset that she did not listen to Tyrion. But she kind of had to do that because even though, because we always saw her do that in her own world, but now you know the worlds were interfering, and we saw her do that in a world where we knew all the characters, so it came at larger stake and really actually hurt us. But those guys were not good guys, by the way. They had a different kind of honor. Certainly the son did. Yeah, we, we saw I, liked, and- I liked Dickon, Tarly. He was cool, but they were never nice to Sam. Never. He was the, the younger one, and that Maybe. shows you that there's kind of the, the unintended casualties that someone I think we were meant to like over those episodes was, you know, in the way yeah. that slave trader, we were meant to totally not like him. The same line, the same approach um, led yeah. to someone I think we we're starting to feel a little sympathetic toward. Yep. Well, they're saying we must wrap now, but I just want to say that the the cast got all their scripts for news portion of this. They got all their scripts, and Kit Harrington said that basically they all read their final scenes of how their characters come to an end, and they all were pretty much in tears. Not because necessarily what happened, just because it's going to be so hard to say goodbye to the character who basically put them on the map. And the paychecks. As actors. Exactly. Well, let's hope that in that reading, they got some lines that were as uh, memorable and uh, move the story along and develop I characters so. as much as these lines we talked yes. about tonight. And, Dad, thank you so much for coming all the way from Bravos to be here. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Jeremy, Dan, always a pleasure having you in studio. All the way from Hollywood all the to way the Valley. from you... SC Marshall School yes. of Business. <laughs> and you guys can follow me and Chris and Elizabeth Snyder at Cinematic Escape. Thanks so much for joining us. We're going to have another great show next Sunday, so tune in. Same place, same time. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye! From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. 
to watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Dracarys! <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only. They do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.